Okay, good morning. Do you like that singing? Ah, they did a great job. So go by the table. We have a table out there in the foyer. You can get uh, uh, CDs uh, available for this group, and uh, they are $12 a piece. I wish we could give them away, but we have to feed this bunch and uh, put gas in the vehicle and all of that. And uh, So go by the table. Uh, we've got several CDs. We have some uh, books on the table back there, some great, great Bible study books. I saw several of you here on Wednesday night looking at the... Uh, uh, the Bibbs books, the Bible study books that are back there. And um, so go by the table. If, if you're interested in Heartland Baptist Bible College, we have some brochures back there that has information about the college. Uh, we have a history, just real, real briefly, a history of about 37 years in California as Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College. My wife and I were privileged to go to work at the college in January of 1998, not knowing that the school would be moving to Oklahoma City in June of 1998. So I tell people I was in California just long enough to see all the sites and didn't find anything that I wanted in California. So we moved to Oklahoma City in June of 1998. So the Lord's given us uh, some great, great, uh, uh, great campus there. Uh, your pastor has been there. He's a supporter uh, financially and prayerfully, and I appreciate your pastor uh, and his support of Heartland Baptist Bible College. In fact, he's headed there tomorrow for a youth con. He'll get there, and we won't be back till the 23rd of, uh, of August or the night before the dorms open. But um, pray for us as we leave here today. Um, we make our way to Connecticut, and uh, we're going to be up in this part of New England area for about three weeks before we make it back to Oklahoma City. He showed us the sights of New York City, and I, I tell you, Michael and I were just talking about it, and it's, it's overwhelming to us being from Oklahoma, but you folks are used to it, you know, to see everything that goes on here and thinking about the way you have to come to church. Many of you walk, ride the subway, or uh, it, it's amazing, it's amazing, and we appreciate what you do try to make Open Door Bible Baptist Church uh, flourish, and it's a blessing. Uh, we've got some guests that are here today. Let me encourage you to come back tonight and hear the pastor preach tonight, and uh, thank you for allowing us to be a part of your service today. Well, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 22 this morning, if you will, please. Matthew uh, 22nd chapter. Uh, your pastor kind of uh, took a little bit of my sermon on... Um, uh, uh, Thursday night, and uh, so some of it might be a little bit familiar to you if you're here on Thursday night. He talked about some of the same things that we're going to look at this morning. But you know, the uniqueness of the Bible is you can have two people read a passage of Scripture and God give them different thoughts on it. And although he didn't make reference to this particular passage, he did make reference to some of the things that are associated with uh, with this chapter in Matthew chapter 22. Do you mind standing with me for just a moment? We're going to read just a few verses here, not very many, and then I'll pray and let you be seated. Matthew chapter 22. In verse number 34, we'll read down to verse 40. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence... They were gathered together. 
Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question. Now notice the next two words. Doing what? Tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And then Jesus adds this, not not as a second thought, um, an afterthought, but because he knew this man's heart, he adds this. And he says, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments, which two commandments? What are they? Love God and love others. And, and that, doesn't that sum up what Jesus is telling him? Love God and love others. On these two commandments... Hang all the law and the prophets. What a fascinating statement. Jesus, the Son of God, is saying that all of the, basically the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, that all of those hang on those two commandments. All right, say out loud with me. What are the two commandments that Jesus gives this man to, to love two things? To what? Love God and love others. The Son of God says, on those two commandments, all of the Word of God hangs on those two commandments. We're going to look at loving God and loving others. Father, now bless our time together in the Word today. And Lord, help us to to convey the truths that we need to know about loving you and loving others. If there be one here this morning that does not know Jesus as their Savior who has never experienced the new birth, speak to their hearts. Help them to see their need. Bless now our time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, the question that was asked of the Lord in verse number 35 or 36 came at the end of, of a of a time of severe confrontation for Jesus. And, and, and in reality, it begins all the way back in chapter number 21 when Jesus begins to give some parables. In fact, if you look back in chapter 21, in verse 45, look back in chapter 21, verse 45. So after Jesus gives these parables, about a, one of them is about a wicked husbandman, in verse 45 of chapter 21, look at this. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables, notice what it says. They perceived that he spake of them. So in other words, they realized that what Jesus is teaching about the wicked husbandman in, that, in those previous verses that they realized that he was talking about them. So then we move into chapter number 22, and Jesus gives them another parable. He gives them a parable about a king who had 
uh, was having a wedding feast, and he sent his servants out to bring guests to the wedding feast, and, and basically they, they rejected him. And then we drop down to verse 15 of chapter number 22. Look at this. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. All right, so they're already perturbed at him. We read that in verse 45 of chapter 21. They're angry at him because they knew that what he was saying about the king who developed it or had this wedding feast and invited people to come and they rejected that. They already knew that he was speaking about them. So they get together and they take counsel together so that they can use something against him. And, and so it takes place, there, there's three things here in chapter 22 that are part of that plot to find something that they could use against Jesus. And, and, and the first one has to do with authority. In, in verses 16 to verse 22, they send some of their disciples and a group called the Herodians, and they go to Jesus and ask him a question. Is it right for us to offer tribute to Caesar or not. Now, the interesting thing about this is that the Pharisees hated the Roman Empire. They, they couldn't stand the Romans, but the Herodians were sympathetic to the Roman Empire. So some of the disciples of the Pharisees and the Herodians, who were the politicians of the day, the, got together and they confronted Jesus about this question about authority. Is it right for us to offer to tri- offer? Tribute to Caesar. In other words, is it right for us to honor the king and honor the uh, Caesar and to pay taxes? So Jesus says, well, bring me a coin. They bring him a coin and, they, and he says, whose image is on the coin? And they said, well, it's Caesar's. And Jesus' response to them is this. Render to Caesar that which is Caesar's. In other words, it's right for you to submit yourselves to authority. God has given us all kinds of authority in our life, right? If you work, you have a boss. And even if you don't have a boss, you still have a boss. Because somebody's always going to listen. Can I help you today, young people? Somebody's always going to be in charge of your life. You used to crack me up because at Heartland, I, my wife and I were the deans for 14 years. And I've had, I'd have a young man come in and say, well, I'm quitting school. And I'm, so I said, well, why? So I just, I don't like the rules. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to join the military. I, and I'm thinking, do they have rules in the military? I think they do, don't they? Somebody's always going to be in charge. So Jesus answers this question about authority. And the second question comes from a group called the Sadducees, who are questioning Jesus about the accuracy of Scripture. And they came to Jesus and said, yeah, according to the Deuteronomy 25, if two brothers are living together and, and, and one of those brothers dies and the other brother is not married, that it's the other brother's responsibility to take his brother's widow and marry her so that they can have children. So the Sadducees, uh, they were the liberals of the day. Uh, liberals, by, by that I mean they were liberal when it came to religious beliefs. They didn't believe in um, angels. Uh, uh, they didn't believe in the resurrection. So they came to Jesus and said, a man marries a woman and he dies 
And his brother marries her. And that brother dies. Brother number three marries her. And he dies. And I'm thinking, all right, so if I'm brother number four and three of my brothers have been married to the same woman, I don't think I'd drink the Kool-Aid. You know what I mean? And so they go through this ridiculous scenario. Seven brothers are married to the same woman and they say, at the resurrection, because they didn't believe in the resurrection, whose wife will she be? And Jesus says, you do err, not knowing the scripture. Because God is not the God of the dead, he's the God of the living. So he answers this, these two questions, one about the authority and one about the accuracy of scripture. And then we have the third question that is presented from this lawyer questioning priority. Priority. And he comes to Jesus and he asks him a question. And again, help me out today, church. Why did he ask Jesus this question? What was his goal? What does it say? Look at it again in verse number 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question doing what? Tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, when you think about this, now, all right, so, so I've, I've got a two-point outline here. Number one, we have the tempting question. This lawyer, not, not in the same sense as we think about a lawyer uh, today, so I, I don't, I'm not going to tell any lawyer. I've got two lawyer jokes, but I don't want to offend anybody, so I'm just not going to do the lawyer joke today. But a lawyer in Jesus' day was not the same thing as we think about as a lawyer today. Most lawyers, when they finish their law practice, they become politicians. And how do we know if a politician is lying? Anybody know? Their lips are moving. All right. So a lawyer in Jesus' day was not a lawyer in the same sense that you and I think of in the 21st century. A lawyer in the Lord's day would have been someone uh, who would have been an expert on the law. Who knew the law inside and out. Who understood the laws. Now, your pastor mentioned this the other night. So this, some of this is a repeat of what he said. Did you know there are 613 Jewish laws? I don't know about you, but I have trouble keeping the, the t- first ten of those. You know what I'm saying? 613 of the laws. How do you determine which one of all of those 613 laws is the most important? The greatest of all the commandments. How do you make that determination? So the question that was, that was presented was meant to tempt the Lord... And by the way, even the Jews have debated that for years. 613 laws. So the Jews knew how difficult it would be to keep all of those laws. So they divided them up into two parts. There were the heavy laws and the light laws. We're not going to take the time, but if you were to read the next chapter, Jesus kind of gives us some idea behind that. There were the laws that were very, very important, like adultery and and a murder and things of that nature. But there were other, some other laws that were not as important. So the Jews divided those laws into the heavy laws and the light laws. So, so, so by asking Jesus this question, again, 
What was his purpose for asking the question? Repeat it back to me. Say it out loud. To do what? To tempt him. So by asking Jesus, which is the greatest law in, in, which is the greatest commandment in the law, he's saying, which of all of the laws is the heaviest, the most important of those laws? So we have the tempting question. Number two, we have Jesus' tempered answer. I'll show you what I mean by that, but if, if you were to look up the definition of the word tempered, you would find something like this. Having the elements mixed in a satisfying proportion. Now, I know you folks, and, and your pastor particularly, uh, we went over to Union Baptist yesterday and saw a lot of the work that's already been done down there and sheetrock and all of the work that has to be done to get that building where it needs to be. And, you know, so your pastor, I'm sure, has done a lot of sheetrock work in his life. And I guarantee he's back to his eyes about that big around thing. And, oh, yeah. Lots of sheetrock or mud or, or pouring concrete. You have to add the elements in the exact proportion as they are needed. So the word tempered means having the elements mixed in a satisfying proportion. Now, I, I chose that word to talk about Jesus' answer because this answer that he gives to this lawyer, this complicated question that he asked, Jesus' answer is perfectly balanced. And it comes in two parts. In two parts. Part number one is this. Love God. Now this is real deep today, folks. Real profound. So this man comes to Jesus and says, I want to know which is the great commandment in the law. And Jesus, I want you to notice what's the Lord's response. He didn't go, um, um, let me get back to you on that one. He doesn't do that. You know, though, now I got to back up and say, though this man came with his purpose of tempting Jesus, he at least came to the right person to ask this complicated question. You see what he mean by that? Who wrote it, Leland? He did. Don't you think the one that would know which is the greatest of all the laws would be the one that wrote the law? Do you get that? He went to Jesus and asked Jesus this complicated question. Because how do you choose, out of 613 laws, the one which is the most important? Yes, the one that wrote the book. Now, he came to tempting, but he didn't realize who Jesus was. And Jesus gives him his answer. Two parts. Number one, what's the first part of the answer that Jesus gives him? What is it? Love God. Hey, by the way, Jesus even tells us how to love God. Look what he says in verse 37. And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Do you know what Jesus is telling this man? He said, there's not a part of your being that you should not love God with. Every part of your being, you ought to love God. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, it means this. We need to give him our devotion. Our devotion. Now, I know where I'm at. I'm in New York City. We got the Mets. Anybody here a Mets fan? Okay. A couple of you are. We got the Bronx Bombers. 
The Yankees. I almost bought me a new Yankee cap the other day. I've been a Yankee fan since I was a little bitty guy. I can remember Roger Maris and Yogi Berra and Mickey Mantle playing for the Yankees when I was a little bitty guy. I loved the Yankees. And I know we got the New York Giants, which are rivals for my Dallas Cowboys. But that's all right. Somebody has to be a loser. No. <laughs> oh, I just lost the crowd, didn't I? All right. Now, you, do you, anybody know what the word fan is short for? Somebody tell me. Come on. What is it? Fanatic. Have you ever seen some of the fans in some of these sports teams? They paint their faces up. You know, if you're a Knicks fan, where they got blue and kind of orange colors, right? You got the, you got the Giants. I mean, you go to the games and you got guys with their bodies painted and uh, their faces painted and they got these funky looking hairdos and all this stuff. Do you know why? They love their team. They're fans. They're fans. You know what? I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't love our favorite sports teams. But we should be devoted to Jesus Christ. You know what I appreciate about you folks? And I mean this, and I'm not trying to win brownie points, whatever that means. I'm not trying to, you know, elevate you at all. But the fact that some of you have to walk 30 minutes to come to church or ride a subway to come to church... I, I appreciate that. I, I'm just, you know, I'm from Oklahoma. And, and we don't have to do stuff like that in Oklahoma. Now, we do drive 20 minutes to church, but it's in the same town, and we can drive there. And some of you had to park way down the street today because they got the street blocked off out here because they got a, what, a street fair going on down the next uh, block. And that's, that's devotion. I'm, I'm not trying to pump anybody up. I'm just saying this. You know what it means to try to come to church. I, I, it's beyond my comprehension. Devotion. We ought, to, we ought to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. That is what Jesus is talking about. Loving God with every ounce of our being. Our mind, our will, our emotion. So this man says, what's the great commandment? Jesus says the great commandment is to love God. But then he adds this. And he says to this lawyer, again, this expert in the law, in verse 39, look at this. And the second is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So part one is love God. Part two is this. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. And Jesus says, all right, you asked me which is the great commandment. I gave it to you. But I'm going to give you one that you didn't ask for. Because you need to know this. And I, and I know that you know. I, I didn't mean to say it that way. We understand this. That Jesus is the Son of God. And He knows the hearts of all men. In John chapter 2. At the end of the chapter it says, And no one had to tell Jesus Anything about any man because he knows all men. And Jesus knew the heart of this man that asks him this question. And he says to him, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Because he knew this man 
didn't love God and he didn't love his neighbor. Now, all right, so thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. To me, this is the best part. So Jesus tells his lawyer, this expert on the law, this doctor of theology, who asked me the greatest of all the laws, and here it is, love God. Now, it's almost as if Jesus is saying to him, I gave you this one because you asked me, but I'm also going to give you one that you didn't ask me about, and that is you are to love your neighbor as yourself. You say, well, what what does that mean? Well, here's what Jesus says. Verse 39 again. Look at this. And the second is, notice the next word, is like unto it. I've been around college young people for a long time and listening to conversations of people. And, you know, I've heard people use the word like quite a bit. And they say, well, he was like dead. Now, I have no idea what that means. But they use that word a lot. Now, when Jesus uses this word, the word like here means of equal value. So Jesus is saying to this lawyer, this doctor of theology, this expert on the law, that loving God and loving your neighbor are kind of on the same level. That's what he means. They are of equal, the word like here means of equal value. Now, in a companion passage in Luke chapter number 10... The lawyer asks Jesus this, after Jesus says, you've said this is right, you are to love God and love your neighbor. The lawyer looks at him and says, and who is my neighbor? Can I help you today, 21st century? I'll answer that question with my own question. Who isn't our neighbor? You know, here's what I mean by that. I have a phone, I got an iPhone, I don't know what we do without a phone. We use our GPS on our phone, and your pastor's got one, and we were going over to the Bronx yesterday to go put out some tracks for Brother Franz, and your pastor has an English-accented man on his phone. Pip, all that right. He's got an English accent on his. I don't know what we do without a, without a phone, you know, and, and the GPS and all that stuff. We'd get lost. My wife accuses me, I, I'm directionally challenged. If I walk out of the door here, you know, I know I'm supposed to go left, but I go right. I, listen, I get lost in a round room. That's how bad I am. So, when, when this man asked Jesus this question, and who is our neighbor in Luke 10, really when you get down to it, I, oh, I was going to say, I get on my phone and send an email to somebody on the other side of the world. Isn't that amazing? Uh, you know, you, you walk up and down the streets. Brother um, Newberger went over and saw the church yesterday, and they're putting in, they're, they're renovating a building next door to them, and they're putting in all these high-dollar apartments in this place. And they're, I mean, they're, they're that far from the windows, you know, that next building, and and Brother, Brother Newberger was telling me, right, in the fall we're going to open up our windows and they're going to hear amazing grace come out of the windows. You know, neighbors, I mean, right there, you look out the window. Hey, how are you? You reach across and shake their hand. I, you know, and, and you live in neighborhoods like that. Really, it's amazing when you think about it. But really, with all the technology that we have, who isn't our neighbor? So Jesus says to this man, 
Here it is. You ought to love God. But then he tells him this. You ought to love your neighbor. You ought to love your neighbor. I love... Now, now you, you have to understand the Son of God is saying that a love for our neighbor is of equal value to a love for God. Now, again, I, I'm not trying to repeat what your pastor said, but he mentioned... Something from the book of Leviticus, chapter number 13. The warp and the wolf. You mentioned that on Thursday night, I think it was. And uh, so I brought my hanky with me. And this is a clean hanky. This is my preaching hanky. It's just for show. Right? So anyway, if you had a garment, you have threads. How many ladies you're, you're, you sew? Okay, some of you. Esther, you sew too? Wow. Alright, so you sew, you have threads in a piece of material. For instance, this is the, my hanky. We have threads that run up and down and threads that run side to side, right? Is that how it operates? Yes or no? Is that the way it goes? Miss Julie, right? You have threads that run side to side and up and down. In the Old Testament, the threads that, I gotta look at my notes here, make sure I get it right. The threads that ran up and down, or is that vertical? were called the warp, W-A-R-P. The threads that ran side to side were called the wolf, W-O-O-F. Warp and wolf. And you say, well, that's kind of some weird words. I understand that, but I'm going somewhere with this. And in Leviticus chapter 13, if you had a garment, say, for instance, I had a spot of leprosy right here in the middle of my hanky, right in the middle, right in the bullseye. Can everybody see that? Visualize it. There's a spot of leprosy right there. Now, leprosy in Scripture is a picture of what? Anybody tell me. Sin, isn't it? So, if you had a spot of leprosy in the right in the middle of this garment, threads, the warp threads running this way and the wolf threads running this way, there is no way that just the warp threads would be affected by that spot of leprosy. Right? It would affect both directions. Warp. Up and down, and wolf, side to side. All right. So Jesus tells this man, this lawyer, the greatest commandment in the law is to do what? Give me the first one. Say it with me. Love God. And the second is of equal value to it, which is what? Tell me. Love your neighbor. Can I help you today? If you don't love God this way, the way you should, can anybody else tell me what's going to be affected? You're not going to love this way as we should. Does that make sense? So the order is this. Love God first. Now my wife and I, we, we do some biblical counseling. Because I believe the Bible has answers for people's problems. And I'm convinced of this, Miss Vicki, my sweetheart, of next Sunday, 46 years of marriage. I have no idea how she's put up with me that long. But I'm convinced that if we get people to love God the way we should, we wouldn't have marriage problems. Because Jesus says to this man, loving God comes first. 
And can I help you today? You need to fall in love with Him. Because the Son of God, the one, listen, the one that wrote the book, the law, the expert on the law says, the order is, love Him first. And then the second one is, of equal value, love your neighbor. Now, I'm going to say this real quickly. That doesn't mean that I have to love me before I love you. People say, well, you just got to love yourself. There's nothing in the Bible that confirms the idea that I have to love me before I can love you. But there's plenty, plenty in the Bible that says I've got to love God to love you the way that I should. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Look at verse 40. And I'm almost done here. Look at verse 40. On these two commandments. Okay. Help me out, church. What are the two commandments? First one is what? Love God. What's the second one? Love your neighbor. On those two commandments, the author of the Word of God says, Hang all the law and the prophets. Every bit of the Word of God teaches us those two things right there. So I want to help you today by asking you this question. Do you love Him like you should? Are you devoted to Him like you should? Are you giving Him your everyday choices that you make? Or or are you just getting up and doing whatever you want to do and not even thinking about what God wants you to do? The author of the book says, get it right. Love God. Do you know Him today? Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? If you were to die right now, do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven? So I, I don't know that anybody can know that. I would not gamble my eternity on something that you believe, but on what the Word of God says. And the Bible says you can know where you will spend eternity. You having marital problems? You having relationship problems? Hey, teenager, you're not getting along with your parents? How's your love for God? Because if you get this one right, you're going to get this one right. Love God, love others. Let's bow our heads for prayer.